If you can all slowly start moving towards the chairs. We have extra stools on the sides as well. You're welcome to sit in the back. We have some chairs here up front. We're starting. <laughs> I think I might just slowly start talking and then once the people who are still setting up finish, you can join us. We also have chairs. I don't know, maybe if the people sitting on the sides, if you can move in so it's easier to join uh, from the sides. Welcome, everyone. Uh, on behalf of Ethos Lab and on behalf of Feminist Futures Copenhagen, we're so thrilled that you're all here today. Uh, we've, well, we organizers have obviously worked for this, these two and a half weeks, and especially for this day for months now. So uh, we are so excited to see all the projects that have come out of this. But I also just wanted to say that we've really enjoyed just being part of this with you all and talking through all the topics that we've talked through over the last two and a half weeks, and it's really been uh, a pleasure. So the program for the rest of today, we're a bit behind schedule, but we'll manage, um, is once I'm done talking, I'll hand over to Mia, and then we will go through all the presentations, finishing with um, an immersive experience. Um, then we'll have sort of 45 minutes-ish to go around and check all the exhibition. Um, then we'll just round up here on the stage and then we'll be serving dinner. And at 10, our DJ arrives and the dance floor opens. Um, so yeah, some logistics. Uh, toilets are through here and upstairs. Um, if you need, you can use the lift, but otherwise the stairs. Um, we have the bar, which is open all night. We have water and kombucha. That's just free to grab whenever if you're thirsty. But we also have wine and beer and sodas and, yeah, a lot of some cocktail drinks. Um, we have a photographer here today. Frederick in the back there. So uh, this is a reminder to please wear your keychains. And if you don't, uh, or your name tags, if you don't have one or if you forgot it, uh, they're next to the window. It's just to help uh, the photographer to know who not to photograph. Um, we would like to ask you to just help us throughout the evening. Uh, if you have a used glass, there's this little blue box at the window over there next to the bar so you can put your glass there if you have trash just we have bins and there's also a pent bin uh, next to the window over there um, and a little uh, merch showcase so uh, I mentioned another day that I don't remember now but I mentioned that uh, we weren't doing like mass-produced merchandise for this hackathon but that we were going to uh, embroider tote bags for those who wanted it so I just wanted to show you the color options <laughs> um, and yeah so you can bring your own tote bag to the lab 
Uh, you can go find Edith at some point uh, for the rest of today uh, and just go organize a time that you can drop off your tote bag if you would like that. Um, and yeah, color options. Um, and yes, I think that's the logistics. So now I just want to give a really big thank you to all these amazing partners who have helped us uh, make this happen, um, whether that's through financial support or through uh, working with the teams as mentors or uh, keeping us fed or caffeinated uh, throughout. We really appreciate it. I want to say a special thanks to Tina Anasen from Ida um, for supporting us from the beginning and the whole way through and believing in the initiative. Um, that really meant a lot to us. Uh, also to um, Space 10 for allowing us to be here both last week at the panel and today. Um, it's great to have such a nice space to, to be able to exhibit and meet and yeah, be together today. And finally, uh, also Kitchen Collective, which is where we're cooking tonight's dinner. Um, you'll hear a little bit more about them later, but yeah, big thanks. Um, and even though I stand here alone on the stage today, I'm obviously not uh, the only organizer. We have a huge team that has been um, organizing with us from the beginning um, and along the way. and. Not even all of them are in the country, but have been helping from across Europe um, and even in the US. So um, yeah, just a really big thank you to all the organizers who have all contributed in really important and meaningful ways. And um, I think an event like this doesn't really come together if it doesn't have uh, a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences and it's really important um, to have those inputs and reflections and experiences. So also thanks to all of you for believing in the idea and for spending all this time making it happen. Um, and just shortly before we begin, I just wanted to say a few words about the kind of um, event that this is today. Um, I think the entire hackathon really has been about learning together. Um, and also today, it's really this, um, this ethos of collaboration over competition. And I think you have all done that beautifully uh, in the mentoring sessions together and helping each other and talking through things together. Um, and I'm really thankful that you have done that and that you sort of embraced that um, uh, that way of doing a hackathon because that's not always the case. Um, and I also just wanted to say that, you know, we're not expecting today to be a collection of final products and sort of um, shiny results. They're also just um, conversation starters. And so this is also an opportunity to uh, connect with each other now. I mean, you've, you've, followed along especially with your tracks like the, pro the projects that have been in your tracks but um, today is also an opportunity to talk to the people from the other tracks or for the partners that are here 
you know, if there's something that you think is cool, like talk to the group that has done the project and, you know, use it as an opportunity to connect um, to those people. <coughs> um, yeah, and I think that's it um, for now. Uh, I'll hand over to Mia, who's going to introduce all the teams. Thank you. Yes, I mentioned that. Well, we'll repeat it. The bathrooms are through there and up the stairs. Yes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, we have decided to do like a dual thing today where we have really short presentations up here and then an exhibition around here that everybody has been frantically setting up for. So each team has three minutes Henrietta will be the boss, so when you have one minute left, she's raising the ethos pamphlet, and that means, hurry up, um, no. And uh, we're starting today with commenting the archive. So if all of the people from that track will come up here, and while they do that, give them a hand, but also another life, and Nina and everybody who was part of making that amazing track happen. the commenting Are you guys? Oh, okay. So, we're from the commenting of the archive track. My name is Dylan. Um, my name is Hannah. And I use she her pronouns and so does Hannah. I'm Will and I use they he pronouns. Um. <laughs> and I'm Peter William, and I use uh, he, him pronouns. Okay. So, Will and I were collaborating for Group 5, and we um, basically created a prototype of what a digital archive could look like right now. So it kind of serves two purposes, one of them being specifically for the people in the Copenhagen music community, acting as a place to collect and share stories, but a safe space with just people in their community. Um, we also provide resources for trauma and mental health counseling, workshops. Um, there's a forum for yeah collaboration. And then the second part of this is education with the goal that we want to increase representation and decrease discrimination in the Copenhagen um, arts community. So hopefully we'll have institutional actors come visit the website and they can read uh, archival submissions and take workshops and just try and become a more thoughtful and inclusive member of the arts community. Yeah, you want to ask? Second part? Or I can do it. Okay, you do it. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, um, yeah, so the main thought behind this um, archive that, you know, maybe possible to create in a few years is uh, 
is that, that it would be like unlimited when it comes to time. Uh, archive, which enables people to participate in it in any form they like. And it would be based on a VR browser um, where one, you know, one person can go in and whether they want to um, put something into this archive or just read through or whatever they want to do, they can just go in there um, and do that through different senses that they are available to, let's say, um, use. Um, and also it would be made because in order to like secure one's identity and um, not allow to colonize different data from minorities, uh, it would be secured in some way. We don't know which way yet, um, but it will be secured for like people from uh, different minorities to maybe like discover others on the journey of self-discovery to like feel less lonely or more secure. And yeah, is there anything else? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And oh yeah, I forgot, that's pretty important. Um, the, the, the data that would be like gathered through this archive would enable the physical uh, exhibitions that would be like a pop-up exhibitions for people that would be based on sensory uh, sensory um, activities, and that uh, is what Group Four presented. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, my name is Peter William, as I said before, uh, and this is Hannah, and we worked on this. Uh, outward-facing part of the archive idea. So we were working through different ideas of how can we take this information in the archive and make it work in an outward-facing manner? How can we uh, give people a real feeling that something needs to change and like a, a personal experience of the importance of the information in there? Uh, and we worked with... so. Obviously, a classical solution is to have maybe some people who have experienced some of the things that are represented uh, and have them speak about their experiences, but this can be a very laborsome and uh, emotionally toiling experience. And we work with the idea of like shifting the emotional labor of this learning experience onto the people learning. Uh, and we worked with the idea of uh, like a classical solution for representing quantitative or like abstract information is data visualizations, but it's also still kind of abstract and easy to look away from. And so we thought about other ways of representing numbers, basically. Can we put them into lived experience in a way that the people that experience them like have a real emotional experience? And so we tried uh, workshopping different ways of representing this information with other sensory inputs. Uh, we had like taste, so we'll mix different saline solutions and you can taste like the difference between numbers. We worked with light intensity, sound, stuff like this, trying to find out ways to get numbers into a format where they're appreciable and like understandable in our everyday lives. And uh, we've made a little experiment in the very corner where you can try out some different things. Uh, we also worked 
together with Group 5 throughout the thing and got a lot of inspiration. And um, Will also made a little installation for the, for the experiment where you can try working with different parameters and see how they influence the visualizations. Yeah. Hello. Um, we are Team 6, and uh, I think I'm going to skip the names now, so we just got to the point. <laughs> um, so I would like to invite you all to now sit down with both feet in the ground. If you're standing, both feet connected, maybe parallel a little bit. And then I would like to invite you to put one hand on your chest and the other hand on your stomach area. And now I would like to invite you to close your eyes. If you feel good by closing your eyes, you can also just relax your eyes, uh, your focus with the eyes, if not. And I would like to invite you to take a breath through your nose, very slow, and breathe out through the mouth. I want you to now listen to your body your body is an archive. Archives are spaces of power in the way that they control what material, stories, and experiences are collected and how and who, what gets remembered. Um, I'm going to pass my... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hello? Okay. Yeah, I have it here. Thank you. So, as you know, we are working with um, another life community. And um, some of the things that we, uh, we wanted to, uh, to address was, um, as you know, the notion of an archive. And another life has already been doing a lot of work for discriminated uh, women and um, marginalized people in the music industry. So, um, can you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the distance is all right. Is this too loud? Okay, all right. And um, so we want to like, how is what? What does an archive really mean? And and the traditional idea of an archive is to collect data, right? But we also know that archives are spaces of power in the way that they control what material, stories, and experiences are collected and how and who and what gets remembered. So working with this notion of the archive, we started to work with the idea of the body as a living archive. And one of the questions that we wanted to work with was another life's question that is as follows. Can we create a more interactive archive? An archive that is not simply holding knowledge and data, but can also work as a support system for individuals and organizations whose agendas are to create better conditions for women and minoritized people, an archive that functions as more than just a database. And here it goes. 
Hi. So as you can see on the screen, this is our little ecosystem. It's kind of just like an overview of the things that we've explored over the past few weeks and like notions of the archive that kind of fit into our proposal. So what we're proposing for Another Life is a residency program, and it's grounded on this idea of embodied data rather than numbers and the body as a living archive. So it's a residency program where people engage with, art with archives as artistic practice, and then the product of that would be stored as archival material. And through that, we really wanted to center the people that are being marginalized and care and community and collaboration. So in that spirit, we've created a little zine as well. That um, It's a meditative zine that um, there's some available there, but there's also a QR code on the back of it. And then it takes you to an arena board that shows a lot of our research but also where you can download it yourself and like um, go through this experience. And yeah, we invite you all to do that. And there's a lot of stuff there that you can look at as well. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much to the, all of the teams. Great work. Yeah, thank you. And the next... You can leave again. Thank you. Thank you for your work. <laughs> Yay. Give them a real applause. Yay. Great. The next track we have coming up is Solidarity Economies. Can we have Team 11 and Team 12 up here and give everybody who was involved in this track a great applause. Yay. Hello? It's good? Um, so yeah, we're first. Um, we've been having a great time learning about solidarity economics from a lot of interesting people and just learning about each other and our reflections on all these things. Um, and at the end of it all, we were kind of at this junction where we didn't know if we wanted to move forward with a single project together or if we wanted to just find joy and have you guys kind of get insight to what we had been thinking about throughout the process. Um, so yeah, that's what we ended up doing. Um, so we had um, three different things that we ended up doing. I ended up just baking cookies. Um, <laughs> that just felt right for me. I felt like having a day of just baking and if anybody was hungry, they could grab a cookie throughout. Um, yeah, that was, that was my bit. And I tried, oh, sorry, my name is Tine. I tried to do some reflection on uh, growth, not in an economical sense, but more on a more personal level. What, what did I actually learn on a personal level? What kind of seeds did this experiment leave inside of me? Uh, will I be able to make it grow? Is it an invasive art? 
maybe this whole hackathon left some seats inside of you, my co-participants. So I invite you to go to our small exhibition and um, take a small seat and, and make it grow from here. Um, I'm Anna. And I think as Hannah and Tina already said, we ended up doing different kind of stuff. And um, I think one of the themes we talked about a lot is value and time and how to make actually time to participate in something like this, which is amazing. But still, when you have other obligations like work and family and, you know, I think all of you probably know, it became quite tough at one point. Um, it was exciting and nice, but it was also hard. Um, so I tried to make a little prototype, and I'm really bad at it, but um, it was nice trying out something new and leaving my comfort zone and actually um, making something that made a little scale where you can try to balance your commitments um, and see what you prioritize and then how that outweighs other stuff. So come by and try it. It doesn't work perfectly, but. <laughs> and um, I think I was a bit stressed about it yesterday because it wasn't done, but then I tried to invite my two girls into the process. Um, so we started painting together, and I think that was really one of the things I want to take with me, actually enjoy the process, and that you sometimes perhaps have to combine the priorities you have to make it work somehow, and then just go with it. So that's us. Thank you. Um, hi, I'm Sophie, um, and this is Rosa and Harry. Um, so this project came about as like an interest in rethinking capital and value, um, and exploring different ways to expose gender bias in financial systems, more specifically. Um, and what like to to try to find out how labor and mental load and the outcome of work is like unequally shared between genders and marginalized groups. Uh, so that was um, very ambitious. Uh, so we had different approaches and we used like a mind map and we had numerous very interesting discussions also with the other groups about what constitutes uh, value in today's society and I think it kind of complements each other very nice. Um, so we tried using our different backgrounds as like project manager from UK. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm just gonna stand out here. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yikes. Sorry. Uh <laughs> not valuable. Um and uh yeah and uh sorry, a visual designer and with background in gaming from Lithuania and a journalist with background in sorry, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to get through this as well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> with a background in gender and cultural studies from Denmark and Tanzania. So we finally arrived at, at gaming as a more humorous way to kind of expose and toy with these issues in society, um, maybe even enlighten 
So, hello. Um, yeah. So, uh, while designing the game, like I think our idea was to not force feed people, you know, what we wanted them to feel. Um, and so it's more of a soft propaganda game, if you will, which can also be turned into like a sign that could be distributed easily, like you can just print it with like low effort. Uh, yeah, and it's based on a Monopoly board, and everyone probably knows, loves or hates Monopoly and knows how to play it. Um, yeah, and like you have basically four tiles instead of like the usual lands, which uh, represent family, community, knowledge, and career. And then when you, when you play, uh, instead of money, you use uh, the alternative for money, which is time and your hours that you have left <laughs> in life. <laughs> Um, yeah, and like to uh, show inequality, like we try to implement this mechanic where at the start of the game you roll dice and that determines your fortune for the game. And whenever you step on a tile that has a roll mechanic on it, like you, depending on your fortune, um, you can either, it's easier for you to get either an opportunity or a chore. So we were playing with that and the chore cards were also pretty funny. Uh, and we managed to do a one playtest uh, with some of the participants. And yeah, Harry's going to talk more about it. Thank you, Rasa. Um, so having experimented with a few different game prototypes, on Tuesday we tested with real people. Some of you are here. Um, and we were testing this core hypothesis. So w to what extent could a fun board game prompt important conversations about invisible labor. So I'm going to share a couple of highlights from our learnings. Um, this main finding really was that some of the game mechanics could be intensified, dialed up to highlight our message. Um, so even though we didn't want to make it too pushy, uh, some of that got a little lost. So at the beginning, I felt the disadvantage, but not afterwards, someone said. Um, and the message of the game isn't really supported by the mechanics, so someone said, there should be no time to clean if I've been looking after kids. You know, what's that about? Um, that said, despite some missed opportunities with the gameplay, most of the players in, I would say, a progressive group understood the message of the game. So that's my kind of caveat there. Um, so Linnea here um, said, the purpose of the game is learning about time sinks, and family dynamics, and our relationship with time versus labor. So you got it. Um, well done. Um, but you know, it was a creative progressive group. Um, and it was really fun to see them like enjoying this satirical role playing. So a couple of people, they were having a laugh at punching fascists. And oh gosh, there's just, we don't have enough swastikas to paint over. We just paint over, painted over so many. Um, so that was really nice to have them have, them have a bit of a laugh. And, um, the game, I think, could provide some more extreme characters, you know, facing like even more harsh consequences of not doing their fair share of invisible labor. Um, and, and someone said, you know, t with this kind of extreme kind of character, uh, if I wanted to play as a sexist homophobe, maybe I could. Um, so to sum up, progressive, creative players, they really got the message and they had a lot of fun, so it was really nice. Um, but I do think we'd have to test it with a less progressive group to really understand how many new conversations a game could start about invisible labor. Thanks for listening. We are just over here, so you can come play it. Um, so any like kind of fascist, kind of like you know more conservative people who like don't do the washing up, they just let their partner do it. Um, come play, and we'd love to get your feedback.
Thank you to all of the teams. Thank you. Now we're moving on to Digital Utopias. Let's uh, have a round of applause for Kati Digital and for Maya from Sabanada. And I would just advise the teams to keep it to three minutes. Look at Henriette. She's trying to get your attention. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! You hear me now? Yay. Perfect. Never tried this mic thing before, so bear with me. Um, yeah, my name is Simone, and this is Claire. And we were trying to build a website uh, to revisit recommendation systems. Um, the overarching theme of Digital Utopias has been trying to democratize tech. Um, and we were thinking maybe recommendation systems are not all bad. Maybe we can revisit them, um, build them on other values than just capitalist ones. Um, so, yeah, I think you would explain yeah. the website. So, yeah, here you see the front page of a hopefully functional website, and we are there in the corner. So there you you can both, we invite you to kind of test some um, prototype. It's uh, instead of, you know, the classical recommender system, which are built on capitalist metric or addictive metrics, we are trying to wonder what could be recommender system when they would be built upon softness, care, vulnerability, resilience, or uh, grassroots, or even fungal kind of values. So... Um, we have a few uh, prototypes available where you can, you, you need a Google search data, so you need to uh, upload a file. We could also provide some other <laughs> if you don't want to, to let your own. And then you can choose the type of experiment. So the, the, the first one, the please know, is kind of the basic, uh, most uh, capitalist and normative choice. But then you have other around vulnerability, care, situatedness, that I is uh, doubt and uh, yes, and then fungal. So and then you enter the experiment. There is also the option because this is a first step to try to for you to reflect upon this. And then there is uh, there is the second step where you will build your own custom experiment where you can prompt yourself and kind of think how would you recommend a system be. And I will stop there because I got a little... I know, one minute, okay. Uh, and then, okay, so one last thing about it maybe is that it's, uh, the prototype is basically built on this classic three steps of extraction, profiling, and recommendation, which happen with your online traces, as probably a lot of you know, that those data points which are accumulated upon you will serve often first to speculate about your personality, your aspiration, your desire, your fear, your values or your belief system. And then uh, once the algorithm has profiled you and built this kind of digital double about yourself, you will try to recommend you things or experience or etc. So the, the prototype works upon the same three steps. 
uh, as you will see. And uh, but yeah, we try to reimagine it a bit differently. That's it. I think. Uh, Let's see. Hello? Yeah, great. Okay, we are uh, team eight of uh, Clara and Dora and I'm Louis. We um, have made the project called Rebel Against Tech Giants. There is no town square in big tech. It comes from this talk we had with Critique Digital about how there's this notion that Facebook, Meta, Twitter, it's this town square where everything is equal and you can voice your opinion. But um, in reality, it's not really like that. It's very discriminatory. Um, it's not nice to be on the internet if you're a minority. So um, we, uh, we chose to, like, what would our digital utopia social media be? It would be, like, decentralized. Um, and therefore, we created our own, or chose to host our own server on the Fediverse, which is uh, these, like, equal created servers which you can host yourself and become a part of. Um, we spend a long time thinking about community guidelines, server rules, um, and like what, what is important in order for you to be a part of our social community. It builds on everyone is a part of creating the social media. Um, and you can try it out if you go to cyberutopia.net. We really want all of you to sign up and be a part of our social media and co-create because when you go on there, there is a manifesto right now for a digital utopia. You have to scroll to the bottom of the page to get the start of the manifesto. And I think Dara will tell a little bit more about the manifesto. Hi, hello. Um, so a bit more about the manifesto itself. We had a very adventurous um, journey through discussing, okay, discussing these, um, what we find important and how we define a utopia and how and what kind of communities we want to be part of. And the manifesto is basically a written example of this in very much in the fashion of other manifestos. It's an exploration of thought, an exploration of ideas, definition of new ideas, or things that we found important. Um, and it's a nice short read, I think, that you can go through if you sign up uh, or just go to the server itself. And it was, I think, somewhat intended by the community also to give more to it, to contribute, to comment, to argue and make it their own. So it's not a finished product and it was never meant to be a finished product. It is something that evolves with ideas and our common utopia, so to say. Thanks. Um, can we put on the next slide? Oh, great. <laughs> um, okay. So my name's Hannah, and this is Mac, and then Chilla was also in our team, but she can't be here, unfortunately, today. But yes, we focused on um, user privacy online and data protection of the individual. Um, and we tried to convey specific problems that everyone or specific um, 
applications that everyone uses and translate that into visualizations so that everyone can understand what the problem behind them is and how to maybe use alternatives and how to do that better. Um, so as our example, we show search engines and we designed a poster that you can find over there. Um, and we specifically designed it for the target group of migrant women in beginners courses of the Ready School, for example, but they don't obviously have to attend the Ready School, but for this target group um, in order to enable them to have more um, power over their own privacy, since obviously that is a very vulnerable group also to online surveillance, especially to online surveillance. So yes, we designed this to show why you shouldn't, why you shouldn't use Google. Um, and then on the bottom here, on the post over there, you can find alternatives. And we have this QR code that leads to a website that explains a little bit the background and puts these visualizations into words. Um, and then the idea is that this poster serves as a template for future projects. So we had the idea in mind to also do a poster on mail programs. So which mail program is maybe better to use than Google Mail? Um, which browser is better to use than Google Chrome or Microsoft Edge or whatever. Um, and then also, for example, providing guidelines on how to use translators to translate Danish websites, especially state websites, since they often only provide Danish information. Um, so that was it. so much to all the teams of this amazing track now we're coming to the last track uh, which is bodies of care and we'll have presentations from two of the teams now and then something happens and we'll have an experience from the last team but thank you so much to software and uh, to our mentors for making this track happen and welcome up all of the teams Yeah. <laughs> Hi, we are team two of Bodies of Care, and this is our third teammate who could not be here. Yeah. But um, we did this 3D scan model of him, so he's here as a, um, a 3D model. Um, we also have a fourth member in our team. It's a prompt generator that we found online, <laughs> and it's called Atsusaki. Playground Neo Cities. Um, so what we did was we made a poem collection. Um, we wanted to using you. We made a poem poem collection using this prompt generator, and we wanted to explore the narrative of tech being either um, like being very dichotomous, being either it will save us, it will destroy us, and we wanted to look at what, if we look at the relationship to the technological um, companions we have or that we are surrounded by, um, what will it be? Do you want to say something? <laughs> so basically, um, tech is the, in our like story narrative is the main character and then the, we have chosen from the brief we used um, body care soft 
and nature to be that it interacts with the tech. So that's why um, we have this like we have the stories or the prompts out in uh, as a poster and later a uh, booklet and as a stickers which you can take yourself. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else? No. Add? Hi, we are team three. Um, there's four of us. Uh, someone couldn't be here today. Um, we are four people with vaginas. Um, so we wanted to investigate the speculum. The speculum is a tool that is used by gynecologists to uh, perform examination of the vagina or the cervix. And um, this what project we made is investigating uh, what what does it mean to have a caring speculum and how can we design a speculum that would provide yeah, a more caring exper experience? How can we design a speculum that um, foster human speculum interactions? Because uh, we believe that if we were to have more of a two-way relationship or a dialogue with the tool or the object, um, then we could have more caring experiences. Uh, so we've been asking a lot of questions to ourselves. Uh, for example, the fact that the speculum touches us, but we don't touch it. Um, then what does it mean for 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 it to touch us in a way that is more caring or soft or hard? Uh, what does it mean for us to touch it? How can we touch it? How can we interact with it? Is it with our hands or somewhere so with something else? Um, and how can we have a speculum that take care of us? And so if we go to the next slide, basically we have a, a mood board for the exhibition. We have a mood board with lots of images and thoughts that we've been um, developing. And we also made a series of prototypes um, that all of us... Um, we've been like thinking about what would be caring. So for example, uh, we have this one about whether could a speculum be ticklish? <laughs> would that be caring? Um, and you can present yours maybe. Yeah, yeah Benedictus, because we've been having a lot of conversations because it's such an intimate and um, unique experience when we go through them. So we really want you to play and have fun when you come to makers and if you feel comfortable put something in so Benedict likes a lot of privacy um, so this one yeah represents a more private speculum I like the opposite I would like to actually hold my speculum while it's happening it doesn't really look like anything but this idea that I can control it a little more and see everything and also maybe it could talk I would love to talk to it and have a conversation so we could be together more yeah, uh, and mine is kind of like an ex an extension of the of the body. So you kind of put it on your hand, and you have like, as the gyne gynecologist, like a bit more of like a personal connection to it, and you're a bit closer to your patient, and in that sense, maybe more caring. Um, yeah, I think I guys. I love this panic button. It's like a it's it's not supposed to be a panic <laughs> button, but it can be. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so we have set up a little station over there with some fabric scraps and whatsoever. So feel free to um, like build your own speculum, whatever you feel that that would might look like. And then also we've put some pens down so you could write down your thoughts on 
uh, a piece of paper that we've laid out. Um, so yeah, we, because we would really like to hear your perspectives and what you think about it or what, what would be a more caring situation for you guys. So yeah, I think that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, now we're doing something logistical. We will ask all of you to stand up in a moment and fold your chairs together and like in a line pass them on to Jenna who will be here to put them in this room. So it's a ploy for us to get help with logistics but also if you can stand here afterwards where you were sitting then we'll do an experience with team one. You ready?
Hello, everyone. Can we get some decorum? Decorum, please. I'm sorry, I'm from MUN Culture. Hello. Sorry to interrupt conversations, but we're here to invite you into an experience. Hi, hello. I think I have everyone's attention now, just about. My name is Linnea. This is Elias. We have a third team member, Monica, who has sadly been disembodied for today. She's not here, but she's here in spirit. So we have a really exciting experience for you, and we hope you'll play along. We have a little bit of a soundtrack in the background. It's um, audio from a server room. You'll see. So, in an attempt to play around with the relationship between human and AI, we're offering an embodied tutorial experience in one of the most foundational elements of modern AI systems. We aim to educate you and demystify the obscure through placing the artificial into the biological body. You're encouraged to consciously enter and later evaluate the experience. But don't worry, we'll guide you through everything. The experience will aim to implicitly ask questions about caring for the digital. Can we care? Should we? Do we even want to? What does it mean for us to experience the tasks and processes AI systems perform for us? Are hard and soft, physical and conceptual polar opposites? By embodying and personifying the basic components of artificial intelligence, you become and experience what it means to work and operate as an AI system, performing the most fundamental building block, matrix vector multiplication. Ooh. So to speak, you become part of a human-sized AI system. In a three-step process, you will first be situated in your physical body, there are slight limits to how many people can participate in some of the parts, but for the introduction and the conclusion, please, everyone, engage with it. Play along. All right. Now, I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath. Close your eyes. Be present. You are human. The human world exists inside you. Try to wiggle your fingertips slightly. You have contact with the ground. And the ground has contact with you. Deep breath again. And now, open your eyes. Recalculating. Ones and zeros, ones and zeros. Fancer blasting, the digital lands in your body. You're inside a server room, absorbing but not processing the sounds. Please take your number.
right. All right, so we have not rehearsed this, and I have not taken a nap, so please embrace the chaos. Um, each of you is a number, and you have post-its, so just pick whichever number you like the most out of this uh, big selection, and just stick it to yourself. All right, so now you are a number. Now, numbers like to hang out with other numbers. And if you hang out with a single number uh, and just stay next to each other, like this, now you're a vector. And a vector represents something, as you can see in the instructions. For example, a vector can be a circle. <laughs> All right, matrices are a bit different. Matrices are active agents, while vectors are more passive. So matrices, matrices will transform vector, will change vectors. So if you have, say, a matrix as uh, you look at your, you look at your, um, you're hanging out with other numbers, and you are in a group of four, then you're a matrix. Uh, if you look, the numbers are the ones that correspond to stretch vertically. Then, if you hang out, approach a circle, and stretch it vertically. That's what you get, right? <laughs> so your numbers, if you find another person, then you form a vector. And if you want to hang out with three other people, four in total, you form a matrix. So please self-organize into vector system matrices. <laughs> I think they kind of yeah. understand that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let them. Uh, we should get them, right? Yeah. Uh, we should get them through the. Uh, we should get them through the transformations, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, do you want to do? No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Has everyone found? Uh, is everyone in vectors or in matrices? Maybe embrace the chaos a bit less? No, this is fine. I think it's self-organizing, actually. Yeah, I thought we had to go through like, now we're going to do this. I think they're going to might be doing themselves. Should we, just, should we just walk around and then I guess? Yeah, we can cut them off in a couple minutes. But like I took them because now no one is doing shapes. Okay, please the vectors do some shapes. Those of you who are vectors, try to do some shapes. If you have two ones, you're a circle. If you're a three and a one, you're a square. We want to see some shapes. And if you're a matrix and you see some people doing some shapes, go ahead and transform them. Change their shape. Yeah. I mean, I, I will, maybe we're going to say, like, uh, now you're a color thingy, but. Yeah, sure.
Yeah, well, I will go through them. Let's see what, what happens when they lose attention, but... If some of the vectors want to represent some emotions, they can do it. You have excitement, calm, and surprise. And then the matrices could change those emotions. Has any of the vectors tried to represent a color? That was a difficult one, but we wanted to see some colors. We could bring some paint. Yeah. Like out glitter. Mm -hmm. People throw. You're so busy. Did you say just? I feel like I could say anything. You're like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Satisfied wherever you want to. Should I stop? I will leave it, but uh, wherever you feel like uh, you, you can read the room on the other side. But I guess we should stop asking. Yeah.
Thank you for your cooperation. Please disperse. Your task is over. Guys, if you're playing along with the experience, vectors and matrices don't clap. But for now, I'll allow it. All right. <sighs> Let's go back to the human world. Please engage with a little bit of embodiment with your own human body again. So I'll ask you to please close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing it once again. You can try to imagine that the beeps and the fans are replaced by sounds of rushing water, the winds through the trees. Now, you ask yourself, has my perspective changed? What did it mean for me to embody a vector or perhaps even a matrix? Was it difficult? Was the speed different for me as a human being? From now on, You'll never know if a poem has been produced by a human or by an AI. You'll never know if a vector has been produced by a human or an AI. Now that you've had the experience of embodying an AI, what does this mean to you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to team one. We'll keep fans on. Uh, it was super nice to have so many teams having deep breaths, especially for the organizing team. I feel like we also got centered a bit during these presentations. Um, now it's time for you all to explore the amazing work that all the teams have made throughout their exhibitions. If you just follow the windows, you will find amazing work. Um, and you can also go grab something by the bar, talk to people about what they made, and we'll say something again, half past seven. To round it off, let's give a big applause to all of the teams, all of the organizing partners, everybody who was involved with all of this work. Thank you.